All right, it's March 27th, and on today's episode of Making Sense of the Sens, we meet some of the young guys. Max Verono has had a good start to his Senators career. Brady Kachuk is about to reach 20 goals. We discuss what his ceiling could be, and Rudolph Balsers has been on a tear too. And don't forget Craig Anderson between the pipes. Two straight wins. How about that? Then, speaking of goalies, we've got Joey Decord from Arizona State on the show. He talks about his year at Arizona State, some of his best memories, looking ahead to the NCAA tournament that begins this weekend. And we ask him, is he turning pro? All that and more on Making Sense of the Sens. Hey, this is Sean Donovan, and you're listening to the guys at Send Central. I'm Drake Patterson, and you're listening to Send Central. You want creativity in the right spots. You want creativity coming out of your zone as long as the guys are moving their feet and they're not trying the risky pass out. We certainly don't want them to just dumb it down and throw pucks out of the zone. We don't want them... Uh, to just put pucks off the glass. We would much prefer if they kept their feet moving. In flight, Gibbons trying to get there, centering it across. Back, Piami. What a brilliant passing play. Tic-tac goal. That was the final nail in the Sabres coffin last night. The Ottawa Senators, 4 nothing Winners, Craig Anderson. Enormous shutout. He's now won two straight games, so you can forget about that 0-13-1 stretch since December 17th, but this is a goalie-friendly show with Joey Decord coming on later on. A couple goalies in studio here at TSN. I'm Ross Levitan. That's Brandon Piller. Hey, what's up, guys? And Chris Parliament over the phone in Woodstock. How you doing, Parley? I'm uh, making goalies look good every time I play hockey, Ross. <laughs> it's episode 57. Uh, former senator who made goalies look pretty good, too. Tommy Wingles. Uh, two goals in 52 <laughs> games, if you count playoffs, uh, in Ottawa, but... Uh, the Senators, couple big wins and big just in the sense of keeping the mood light around the locker room. That's about all they have to play for this year, maybe until the last game of the season because keeping Columbus out of the playoffs would be a, a pretty spectacular way to end the season. But we haven't spoken in a while. Where last time we spoke, it was the start of the Mark Crawford interim head coach era for the Ottawa Senators. He's 5-6-1. and one. But four and five since our last podcast. So right off the bat, Pilsy, what have you noticed differently in the Senators' play since Crawford took over? Well, I mean, just just looking at their uh, their schedule recently in the games they've played in that stretch. I mean, two of the games they've shut opponents out, and not terrible teams either. I mean, you're looking at a two nothing win over the St. Louis Blues and a four nothing win just recently over the Buffalo Sabers. So obviously, Mark Crawford has this team working harder defensively, which is something that, let's be honest, they've lacked all season long. How about you, Parley? What have you noticed differently in their game? Well, yeah, you got to look at the shutouts right now and say, well, that's a far stretch from the games earlier in the season. They were allowing 50, almost 60 shots on goal some of the nights. And you look at it, and sometimes it just comes down to wanting to work for the new guy. And, you know... As much as the NHL is a business, they're together every day. And seeing a guy get fired because of what you, the product you put on the ice has got to be tough. So when a new guy comes in, I think there's that extra little shot of adrenaline or urgency just to perform for the new guy in there, especially when there's nothing else, like you said, Ross, to really compete for other than 
maybe keeping Columbus out on the 82nd game of the season. One of the things that I've noticed as well is the implementation of younger players, which has been spoken about so long, but finally implemented. We've seen Rudolph's Balsers take major strides, seeing his ice time rise by almost four minutes per game. And he's got five points in his last seven games, including a goal last night where I don't know what happened on the Sabres defensive zone uh, coverage there, but he was wide open in front of the net. But Pilsy had, if you guys recall, second best prospect in the organization. So how can you speak to the development of Balsers? And did you expect him to play this? He's going to hit 40 games this year, play half a season in the NHL. Quick asterisk on that. That prospect list was made before the Sens made big trades. Just want to make sure everybody knows that. But yes, I am I am pretty high on Rudolph's Balsers. He's, I think, a very exciting player. And I think uh, the game against the Sabres, that's a perfect example of what Balsers can do. A big knock on him, especially at an NHL level, is his size. Let's be honest, he's not the biggest guy. But when he gets the puck in space, in the slot, without... Is just him and the goalie. The things he can do is incredible. Like Carter Hutton easily should have poke checked that away from him. But the hands, this guy can dangle in a in a phone booth. Like just so smooth. Pots it past him quickly. And this is the kind of stuff that he can do if he keeps getting the chances. And once he gets a little a little more size to him, this could be a dangerous player in the NHL. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm seeing more and more, especially below the circles where strength is paramount. You don't see him lose that many puck battles, even for his size. That's something that uh, I really noticed from him. Another guy who doesn't lose very many puck battles, say the least, Brady Kachuk. Uh, you've been on the the Brady train forever, Parley, but 19 goals. Did you expect even that? Not with this lineup. I knew he was, if he made this team, he was going to be a contributor if they gave him the opportunity to. Uh, some unfortunate events, to say the least, have given him that opportunity to be a top six guy every single night. But he's deserved to stay there. 20 goals as a rookie doesn't matter if you're in an outstanding lineup or in, let's say, the Ottawa Senators' current lineup. That's a big number. And for him to be able to contribute this, and he's almost at the 40-point mark as well, to lead the team in goals as a rookie, that's going to be huge for him. But another thing that I love is that he was given the opportunity to play 82 games. And we've all joked we can't wait to see what this guy is like when he's a veteran. That's going to be maybe next year, the year down the line. We're going to start considering him a veteran. If he's keep giving the shot to play top six minutes, he's going to have the experience to be that savvy guy out there. But he's shown he's got the talent to do it. And boys, not only does he lead the team in goals, he leads the team in shots on net as well. So he's not just that guy out front banging bodies and cleaning up the garbage. He's creating. So that's something... That's something to hang your hat on as well for him. Yeah, leads all rookies in shots on goal as well. Mark Crawford said that's a goal for him down the stretch is to finish leading all rookies in in shooting. Uh, right now, Miro Heiskanen in Dallas is second on that list. But getting back to, to Brady, I mean, we know he's going to be a leader down the road, but he played almost every minute of the season exclusively with Mark Stone. So when he left... Everyone was a bit nervous. How is that going to affect Brady's play? Brandon, it's safe to say he's answered that in flying colors. Oh, yeah, for sure. And this is how, like, we could go down the list of players that have pretty much gotten fat contracts out of playing with Mark Stone. I mean, you look at Colin Greening, Zach Smith. Uh, Pajot. the list goes on. But Brady is a guy who, even in his first year, he's showing that he doesn't need to lean on a guy like Mark Stone 
to do those kind of things and just I think the the reactions that you get from Brady Kachuk like even off the ice like just he's just such a positive fun guy to have in the locker room and he's just promoting this good culture that the Ottawa Senators need big Brady Kachuk fan and he can do it all on his own in all aspects of the game. I don't want to get too deep into the following conversation, but we keep lauding the leadership of Brady. Would you be completely against naming him the captain of the team? How soon? Uh, as soon as next season, just for argument's sake. I, I'm not against it from Brady's side of it. I think he has all the tools and I mean we talk about being uh, a a son of a legendary hockey player and just being in a in a hockey family in the Kachucks, but I don't think that would be a good thing for for the team atmosphere just yet. I think you give it a little more time for the team to settle before you name a captain, especially when it's a young kid. That's a lot of pressure to put on his shoulders, and I would, I would I rather... Don't he, I don't think he has pressure. I, but that's because he... Feels did, it. Yeah, I, I don't think he has pressure without the captain, obviously, but once you put that on him, that's a lot of things that you have to change about your style and... And the way you talk, and I don't know. I just feel like there's no rush or urgency for the sense to do that. We had a captain in line, in place, in Mark Stone that was ready for it. He was the right guy. He fit with the locker room. But with him gone, I think you should wait a little while till you make such a big move like that. Should note that Brady Kachuk was the captain at the under-18s for Team USA. He would would very hypothetically be the one of the youngest captains in NHL history, McDavid, of course, the youngest. He was named captain 20 days younger than Gabriel Landeskog, still yeah. at 19 years old. So Brady would be turning, will be turning 20 in September of going into next season. I want to move along to another new face in the Sens lineup, one that nobody thought we'd see because he wasn't a part of the organization uh, about, what, three weeks ago now? That's Max Verano, who... I mean, talk about a an eventful week. He <laughs> signs his NHL ticket, plays a game, then has to write an astrology or astronomy rather exam the next day at Princeton, and then plays against the Leafs on Saturday night, uh, a battle of Ontario that he grew up watching as a kid growing up in the Glebe. We actually played for the same minor hockey organization, the Ottawa Sting. So that's awesome to see him, and it really looks like he's solidified as an NHL player, Parley. Do you see him kind of topping out as like a middle six forward? That's where I'm kind of leaning towards my view of him. Absolutely. I think that he's a guy that's very comparable to Alex Formanton in the way you watch him play. Somewhat the same size and a guy that will just burn you up and down the ice. And if you're able to add that to two lines now in the future, with Alex Formanton, of course, being that second-round pick that really looked like to be a very good pick and maybe went a little later than expected, especially the way his junior career kind of has blossomed since then this year in uh, London, kind of in limited play because of the injury. But if you're able to add an Alex Formanton to the top six, Max Borno is going to look that much better in the bottom six or maybe in the maybe in the second line, third line role because a speed kills, right? And speed doesn't slump. That's a big tool to have, especially in the NHL nowadays. So I think that's a very added uh, point to make because Alex Verona is just going to be that good of a player coming down the stretch if you allow him to play in that speed role. 
And Verona played the last four years at Princeton. In three of those years, he's gone head-to-head with Joey Decord. And Joey has a great quote, so stay tuned for what Joey thought uh, about Max Verono. But here's what his head coach thinks about his play so far and how he's adjusted. You know, the first few games you play pretty much on the excitement and uh, the energy around the excitement of being in the NHL and the newness of everything that's happening. Uh, but I think he's settled in. He's played some very good games uh, when he has settled in. What I like about his game is that he's got very good speed. Uh, he shows his speed uh, in a lot of different areas, especially in his support of the rush uh, and his ability to get in and complement uh, his line mates on the rush. He's been decent on the forecheck. Uh, he skates well uh, on the back check. I, I like his the second part of his game that I really like is his intelligence like he's got very good vision he sees the ice and more importantly he sees the play uh well so that helps him in a lot of different areas yeah and i want to go back to what parliament said about uh verno's speed if you're going to be a young rebuilding team you're not going to beat a team maybe in a a systematic way or in a strength way you got to be faster than them you got to be quicker than them and this is a guy that gives you that chance I mean, we saw that first game that he had against St. Louis that was also Brandstrom's first game, and those two looked like they were on the same page 100%. They were the best players on the Ottawa Senators. Brandstrom gave him a really nice stretch pass. Verno blew by his man and actually put a pretty good shot on uh, Jake Allen, but he got the save there. This is a guy that definitely has some potential, and that's a nice pickup for the Sens to sign him from Princeton. Yeah, it certainly was because I think more Sense fans were expecting maybe Ryan Kuffner, who was his teammate at Princeton, ultimately signed with Detroit, but he actually attended Kuffner, that is, uh, the Sens development camp last year, whereas oh. Verono hadn't. So uh, kind of an out-of-the-blue signing, but it sounded like uh, they pushed hard to get him. I I, <laughs> I want to say reported, but I tweeted out that Darren Dreger reported on Leafs Lunch while I was producing, and it really caught my attention that both Thomas Shabbat and Brady Kachuk personally called Verono on Monday, selling him, saying, come to Ottawa, we have a spot for you, you're going to like it here. Well, you know, he doesn't have to be sold on the city. He's born and raised here. Uh, but his story's great. For those of you who may not be familiar, he played Junior B. Junior B. And, uh, I mean, that it's a good level of hockey, but it's not great by any stretch. So he was already committed to go to the University of Windsor, and then made Junior A, so convinced his mom, hey, give me one year to try this Junior A route. He played for the Gloucester Rangers. And in that year, Princeton took notice of him, ends up going down there, and as they say, the rest is history. He gets a degree from Princeton and an NHL contract. Decent. Pretty good uh, decision by uh, Verono. So we've kind of covered the young guys to to talk about the older guard. I mentioned it off the top, but how how big was that win in Edmonton for Craig Anderson, Chris? Well, I was going to say when we were talking about speed, do you want to talk about speed or foot speed? Talk to Ken Hitchcock in Edmonton because he had a lot to say about foot speed in a press conference after they lost last night. It was almost like a drinking game at that point. But, yes, Craig Anderson, the guy who up and down his entire career this year, you can definitely say down just two wins, I think, since – December, uh, mid-December, really. Since and December, coming back from December seventeenth, he was o thirteen and one, and then has won two straight. For a veteran and in a struggling situation, 
he must have just been miserable with what he was going through. Obviously, he's gone through a lot worse in his last couple uh, years. But, uh, yeah, that's got to be a huge weight off his shoulders and a pretty special number. What's that? Mr. 500, you could call him now, Mr. Levitan. Why is that? <laughs> his 500, the 500th win in Senators history. At home. At home. So that's huge. And what was awesome to see after that game was Brady Kachuk. Obviously, you always give the goalie hugs, but there was a little something extra in that one. You could tell the boys were, were really pushing to get Andy over over the hump there. And if you ask an NHLer about stats, he's going to say, oh, I don't worry about statistics. I just play the game and hope we get two points on the standings at the end of the night. They know. He knows what he was going through. Obviously, that was a um, a pretty magnified struggle, but he knows what he was going through, and he knows everybody else knows. So just getting out of there, almost like the weight off your shoulders and a little bit of breathing room. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think – now is a better time than ever to send it over to Arizona State Sun Devils goalie Joey Decord, 199th overall pick in the 2015 draft. We we're talking about some late bloomers like Max Verono and, uh, I mean, Alex Formanton you mentioned. Still a second rounder, but maybe went a little bit later than he should. Well, how about Joey Decord? Like, we get into his season, but it's been nothing short of incredible, eh, Pilsy? Yeah, like, what a story. And, I mean... It's just so interesting to see his his perspective of being a top goalie playing hockey in Arizona and just just how that culture is sort of starting to thrive now hockey in Arizona. Great interview. Always loved chatting with Joey and let's send it to Joey right now. We are pleased to welcome a now recurring guest to Making Sense of the Sens. He's had an amazing season so far with the Arizona State Sun Devils. He started every game, tied for the most shutouts in college hockey, top 10 in wins, save percentage, and a top 10 finalist for the Mike Richter Award for the nation's top goalie and Ottawa Senators prospect, Joey Decord. Welcome back to the program. We want to start with your team because at first glance, you just... You look at the wins. You went from eight last year, 21 this year. Uh, what's been the biggest thing that's allowed you guys to have so much growth? We wanted to double our win total, and we thought that would be a pretty lofty goal um, <laughs> to go from eight to 16. And to get to 21 has been pretty incredible. And, uh, you know, it's been an amazing season for our for our team and our and our school. And, um, you know, I think I think in our first two years, or my first two years at least when I was here, we had to go through so much adversity and go through so many – um, you know, ups and downs that we kind of just got stronger and, and um, you know, we we just really learned how to deal with adversity and, and become stronger from it. And, um, you know, especially myself personally, that's something that um, I had to go through as well is just learning how to deal with um, learning how to deal with failure and become better for it. And that's something that we've really, um, you know, taken into account this year and just um, helped it helped, uh, you know, use, use it to our advantage. Yeah, definitely lofty goals trying to double your win totals, which you guys have done, which is impressive. But is there anything that you did specifically, like maybe during the off season coming into this season or during the season that really uh, helped you improve? Because not only has your team really improved, but you on a personal level, your numbers have been just outstanding this season. Yeah, I think... Um... You know, I think a lot of that is a product of playing on a good team. You know, anytime you play on a good team and you win a lot of games, um, 
you're going to have good numbers as a goalie. And I think, you know, when I was talking to our head coach, Greg Powers, before the season, it's like, you know, everyone goes in and kind of sets their, their goals and expectations for the season. And he's like, hey, what are you thinking stats-wise? And I was like, honestly, I, I couldn't really care less what my stats are. And, you know, if we win, I'm going to have good stats. That's just the way it goes. So, um, you know, that's kind of what we were thinking. And, and um, you know, for myself personally, like, I think when you play more games and you get more experience, you you mature and you understand what it takes to be successful and, and how to be successful and, and within yourself, right? Because every goalie is going to have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, and for myself, it was just um, refining my game and simplifying and becoming more patient and letting the puck come to me. You know, the puck's going to come to me anyway. So, um, you know, might as well, um, you know, make sure I'm being, I'm being patient and being in the right spot. And I think that's a big reason why I've, um, you know, improved this year. Yeah, and all that success has led to a couple of big dates coming up. I mentioned off the top, you've been nominated as a, a semifinalist for the Mike Richter Award on March 28th. You'll find out if you're one of the five finalists. But then the one I'm sure you're looking forward to more is March 30th. You get the dance started. First game of the NCAA tournament. Now, you guys are the first independent school since 1992 to qualify. You guys are going to be going up against Quinnipiac uh, to start things off. What are you looking forward to most about that matchup? I'm really excited. Um, you know, they're a great team, and it's funny. We, we played them in my first two years. Um, I think we split with them both times we played them. Last year, I think we technically tied them in the one game, but we won in double overtime in the three-on-three. Three. So, um, you know, we played them a lot. We didn't play them this year, and um, they're a great team, and it's actually one of the schools that I, I visited when I was doing my different recruiting trips, um, you know, before deciding where I went to school. So, um, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I uh, I know the goalies on their team. I've trained with them before in the past. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. A little extra uh, bragging rights then, which I don't think you need an extra motivation come tournament time. Um, I mean, we, I've, we've highlighted a few moments from your season, but before I, I start kind of asking you to rank a few of them, what, what was your favorite moment so far this season, aside, of course, from qualifying for the tournament a couple days ago? Well, I think it's got to be Penn State. You know, we we played Penn State every year I've been here, and they've pretty much, you know, kicked us right back out the door every time we played them. And, and um, you know, they've beaten us pretty good. So um, this year we played them on the road at Penn State, which is, you know, one of the toughest places to play in college hockey. They have an insane atmosphere. Isn't that um, where an you're awesome, – An awesome rink. Isn't that where that. you're playing this weekend? No, we're playing um, like two hours from Penn State. It's, okay. It's hosted. The regional is like hosted by Penn State. That's um, what it was. But it's, it's in, yeah, it's in Allentown, Pennsylvania. It's different than Penn State. Well, and you guys, so you mentioned it was the second game of, of the uh, the weekend series. And you, didn't you guys give up a lead in that game as well? Yeah, so Penn State's, I think they had the most goals for in the country this year, uh, goals per game. So the first night we were beating them, I think, four to two in the third period and like, I think the shots were like 20 to three in that period and they just kept coming in waves and they had like, I think they scored three of the flukiest goals I've ever seen. Like one went over my head and like hit something and bounced in. Like it was crazy. Um, and then, um, so then we ended up losing that game. And then the following night we had a three, one lead going to the third. Um, and then once again, like they just came out flying in the third period. Um, you know, they found a way to tie it up and then we ended up scoring in overtime and, you know, to finally get over the hump, they were, I think they were number six at the time. Um, you know, that to that point had been the biggest win in our program's history. 
Um, and it was fitting that it, that it was that hard for us to, to find a way to get it done. Right. Like, you know, it wasn't going to be easy for us to just get a top five, top six win. Um, and it was, a it was a big moment. And I think, you know, I think we knew we had a good team at that point, but then to finally solidify it with that monster program win, um, really was a springboard for the rest of our season. Yeah. 40 saves too, for you, not a big deal in that, uh, in that win. Uh, so that was one of the three games that, uh, that we had identified uh, a couple of the other ones, both have to do with your hometown uh, of Boston. One was in Arizona. I actually texted you after this game because you were so close to scoring a goal uh, in the Coyotes barn against Boston College. You end up getting a shutout in that game too. So between that one and then actually earning a shutout in Boston against Boston University, where I'm sure you had a ton of family and friends in the stands, uh, which one was more special to you there? That's tough. Those were two two of the biggest, you know, most special moments for me in my in my college career, hands down. I mean, um, when I was growing up, my favorite goalie was Corey Schneider, um, and and he was uh, he was BC's goalie. He was Boston College's goalie, and um, you know, I originally wore number one because of him, and then when he switched to thirty five in the NHL, I switched to thirty five too um, that same year. So. Awesome. Um, you know, beating Boston College and shutting them out at home, we actually beat them the night before, too. So we swept them, and then I was probably about 8 to 10 inches away from scoring a goal. Uh, that would have been that would have been nice. Um, but then, then to, to win at home against Boston University, who, you know, growing up as a BC fan, that was BC's most hated rival. So to shut them out um, in Boston, I think between the two games, I had over 70 people, um, you know, between friends and family come down. Um for the game, it was it was um, you know something that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. Now, talking about shutouts, you had a lot of them, so we could talk uh, about seven different games where you had shutouts. But one game that I'm really interested in is you had 45 saves in the shutout against Princeton. Just talk about uh, what that was like, and uh, if you have any memory of pl- playing against a possible future teammate in Max Verano. Yeah, he's a great player. That was a fun weekend. Um, we played them last year in Arizona, and, and um, he was, you know, he was, whenever we do our pre-scout, we identify the top players on the team, and, you know, he was the one to look out for. So, um, you know, I had my eye on him all game, and he was so fast. He created so many chances for them. He was, uh, you know, a really good player, and, um, you know, cool to see him go on and sign with the Sens, too. And then, um, you know, I, I think that that game was one of those things where, um, I had a lot to do early and that just kind of gets you in the rhythm of the game. Yep. Um, and then I just kind of, I don't know, you get the blood flowing. You're not really thinking too much. You're just out there playing. And next thing you know, there's a couple minutes left and, um, you know, you're up a couple goals and, and you look up on the shot clock and there's 40 something saves up there and you're like, Oh, this is a pretty good night. <laughs> <laughs> sure is. Um, a lot of sense fans are, are very intrigued to watch, uh, you guys perform in, in the tournament. So, I mean, NCAA signing season, it's in full swing. Um, I was wondering if you could identify maybe a couple guys on your team who, who fans should watch for, who, who might have some NHL interest once your season wraps up. Of course, your buddy Johnny Walker has to be on that list. Johnny's a special player. He's one of those guys that um, he can score from anywhere. Um, and for some reason, when, the puck, when, it, when he shoots the puck, it finds its way in. He's just one of those guys that, um, you know, there's some guys you can teach them how to play. And you can teach him how to skate and do whatever, but you can't teach someone how to score goals. And, um, you know, he's one of those guys that um, just has that ability to score. And, 
um, you know, him and I go at it all the time in practice and he's just a special player. And, um, you know, I think one of the guys that is probably the most underrated in our team is, is, um, our captain and, um, you know, top D man, Brinson Pashnuk. He's like an undersized defenseman, but, um, he's an absolute beast. I think for most of the season, he was number one and plus minus in the entire country. I think he's probably finished either, you know, one or two, um, points off that. So, um, he's an, he's an absolute horse. Like he's, he's one of those kids that's from, uh, from Alberta and he's just got farm strength. He's just <laughs> yeah. farm boy strength. He's just, he's just an absolute beast. And, um, you know, he's on our top D pair. He's huge for us. He runs our power play and, um, just a special player and a, and a really awesome kid. So, um, he's definitely someone to watch for out there. And then you've got another guy. Is it, I might not pronounce it properly. Dimitri, uh, you, Kutri, yeah, he's drafted by by the Calgary Flames as well. So yep. uh, another uh, NHL prospect uh, to watch for um, there. I mean, there's so much between between now and then, but uh, you're going to have a decision yourself. I'm not going to ask you to tell me the decision. I'm sure you haven't even made it. But what will influence your decision, uh, whether you're going to turn pro or go back for your senior year at ASU? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. I've really, if I'm being totally honest, I've just tried to focus on this season and, um, you know, not get ahead of myself, especially with the NCAA tournament. And, you know, this could be a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for me. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. And, you know, really just haven't haven't tried to think about it too much and just been focusing on, um, you know, hopefully winning a national championship here. And then decisions will be made after that. Yeah, that's definitely understandable, especially with Arizona State going to the NCAA tournament for the first first time ever. It's definitely a big deal. Had to try to get a headline grab, though, eh, Joey? <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. So with, with having said that, it's the, the first time uh, the team's gone to the tournament. What's the buzz like around campus, especially, I mean, Arizona, not exactly really a hockey university that it's known for. What's the buzz like around the campus now that you guys are finally heading to the tournament and you looks like you got a team that can definitely compete and uh, go deep? It's been so cool. I, you know, my first year when I showed up, um, I got the, I got the, we have a hockey team question all the time, you know, <laughs> yeah. you know people didn't really know. They're like, oh, are you guys club? Like, no, we're Division One, And, and um, you know, it went from that to this year, you know, uh, about a month ago I was out to, out to breakfast with a few of my teammates and people sitting next to us recognized us and they were like, oh, you guys are a hot team. You guys are doing amazing this year. Like, keep it up. And then, you know, just last week I was walking back from class and someone tapped me on the shoulder and was like, hey, man, are you Joey Decord? And I was like, yeah, what's going on? And he's like, oh, you, you guys are so good. Like, I love watching the hockey team. Like, I never watched hockey before I came here. Like, and just, like, huge fans. And it's so cool to see because, um, you know, obviously with the Coyotes down here trying to grow hockey in Arizona, and I feel like, you know, we've been a pretty big part of that. And, um, you know, there's the Junior Sun Devils down here, youth youth program, and we go out and we practice with them and, um, you know, interact with the kids. And um, it's something that's been uh, really cool to be a part of the growth of it. And then – you know, making the NCAA tournament this year is, you know, when, you know, we knew we were in for a little while and, and seeing our name come up on the screen and during the selection show on ESPN was, um, that was a pretty special moment. And, um, you know, when it really hits you and, and sinks in, it's it's pretty crazy to think about, um, you know, how incredible it truly is. Yeah, honestly. And to go back to your talk about the kind of the growth of hockey, you know, it's, it's, 
it means something when one of the greatest hockey players of all time is confident sending his son there. Of course, I'm talking Mario Lemieux. Austin's your teammate. Uh, I got to ask, like, how often is Mario around the team? You got any good Mario stories? Um, I actually remember when uh, when Austin and his dad came on their visit down here two years ago. I was a freshman, and I was just sitting in the training room at the rink. And uh, <laughs> it's it's not a very big room, so around the corner comes Austin, and I was like, who's this guy? Like, I didn't know anybody was coming by today. And, and then right behind him was Mario Lemieux, like, smack in the face. I was like, oh, sheesh. Like, what a presence. <laughs> yeah. Did, yeah, I did, did not expect this, right? And he just has an aura about him. And, um, you know, I was, I was caught off guard, and, and you know, it definitely it blows you away a little bit. Um, but, no, you know – you know, I think he does a good job letting letting Austin kind of be himself and do his thing. He he doesn't pressure him too much or crowd the team or anything. You know, I think he comes to a lot of our games, but um, he really doesn't you know crowd too much. And um, you know, I, I think I think it's obviously tough for for Austin um, to deal with that. You know, every time you know he's brought up, it's it's you know associated with his dad. So um, I think they they just they just do a really good job of kind of um, balancing you know his his own success with, with his dad. Yeah, I'm sure, I mean, you guys are going to be in Pennsylvania for, for the tournament. There will be some extra eyeballs looking at that Lemieux nameplate on the back of the jersey. But um, speaking of jerseys, uniforms, we, we spoke last time about how you, you spend a lot of time kind of creating your look for the season. Those yellow pads are unreal, man. They go so well with the third jersey. What, what's the inspiration behind that? Yeah, they're sick. Um, you know, it's a funny story, so... Um, our equipment manager, John, he takes, takes awesome care of us. He's a great guy. Um, he, he mentioned to me that there was a, a little surprise coming that we might be getting third jerseys. And he's like, Hey, you know, in the event that we do get third jerseys and, um, you know, what would you want to do? What, what would you want to get another set? And I was like, yeah, like, I I don't know if there's a goalie out there that wouldn't want a second set of gear. (laughs) Um, so, so he was kind of like, Hey, like, what are you thinking? And, um, I was like, well, I've always wanted to do, you know, the Marc-Andre Fleury Penguins all gold. Um, I think it'd look really cool, but I don't know if that's something that I would want to do. If I was going to get one set of pads for the whole year, I probably wouldn't do an all gold set of yeah, pads. Yeah, that's know? a commitment. Um, yeah, and it's, um, you know, even though they're really cool, I think they're, they're, they're better served in that now and again type role. Um, just like, you know, we probably wore our third jerseys five or six times. So, um you know, he he ended up saying that we couldn't do it and that it wasn't going to work and then ended up surprising me with them um, right before Christmas. And then we came back and we wore our, our third jerseys, those black jerseys in our in our Christmas uh, Desert Classic tournament. And then, um, you know, I had them on uh, with those jerseys a few more times. So um, it was pretty cool. And, um, you know, I definitely thank him and um, CCM for, for hooking it up and getting me a second set and um, swagging me out. <laughs> So, oh, to speak. <laughs> so sharp. And uh, we got to ask you about uh, your mask update, too. I'll let you take it away from there. Yeah, so uh, my guy Shifty paints my mask. Um, it was funny. After the Patriots won their their uh, the Super Bowl this year and became the sixth ring, I was like, well, I can't have a helmet. That, that's factually incorrect. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, originally uh, – you know, we were just going to wait and do it after the season and update it. But then it was kind of like, oh, we got a few weeks off. We might be able to send it down to him. So once again, John, um, you know, being the beauty that he is, he sent it down. And, um, 
you know, he, he got it back to me for our next game, which was, which was pretty cool. I was happy, <laughs> happy to have, uh, have that six, six trophy on there. Absolutely. And, uh, while we're talking Patriots, do you believe the Gronk's fully retired or are we going to see a comeback week 11? No, I got week eight. Oh week yeah. Eight, my, my guess. That's what yeah, the money's yeah, on. Oh, there's no way that guy can go a whole year without being in the locker room with his guys joking around. There's just no way. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same page. Between no him and McGregor, a lot of fake retirements this week, I feel. Yeah, it might be a lot of uh, Brett, Favre, uh, Brett Favre action coming here. Oh, man. Well, hopefully it ends better when he comes back, and it's not just to be on the cover <laughs> of Madden three more times and maybe throw <laughs> that, that many completions. Um, all right, man. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us again. I mean, they'll announce the winner of the Richter Award at the Frozen Four in Buffalo. You may as well make it a business trip. <laughs> Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be the worst. Uh, wouldn't be the worst idea to go there and, and play some games too. That's awesome, Joey. So that's April 11th, April 13th. We're just in Toronto, so we might uh, be forced to make the trip down if you guys advance there. Good luck in the tournament. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, go Sun Devils. Forks up, and uh, we'll be watching along the way. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Forks up. Thank you once again to friend of the show Joey Decord and. It's interesting. There's so much interest in Joey, and I tried to get it out of him, what his uh, decision might be. But, of course, he's focused on the tournament. Completely understand that. But we wanted to know, because Philly franchise came in last year as, like, the hot goalie of the future type thing. Marcus Hogberg has clearly taken the reins as the starter in Belleville this year. And then Joey's had this unbelievable season. So uh, we asked today on uh, our poll at Send Central on Twitter, if you don't follow us there, do so now. You might get some breaking news every once in a while. We've hit a couple <laughs> randomly recently, but um, which Sens goalie prospect are you most excited about? And we got the uh, at Sens prospects bump. So we've got 672 votes right now and 39%. Joey Decord leading the way. That's a little surprising to me. He's my personal choice for it, but I didn't think that it had caught on that much. Dak Mania. Yeah, and it's it's funny. Uh, the poll's really interesting because just between the three of us, we all had different votes. I mean, you had Dak, I had Hogberg, and Chris had Philip Gustafson. So it's pretty nice when you have three goalie prospects that you can be equally excited about, you know? So it's just what a time for the goalies in Ottawa. I mean, it seems like the Ottawa centers always have a decent amount of goalies kicking around, but this, I think, has the most potential coming up the pipeline in a long time. Yeah, definitely. And shout out to Kevin Mandelazy as well. It's kind of unfair to group him with all those guys. I just wanted to put him in because he is a sense prospect. Um, and he just earned a shutout last night with yep. the Cape Britain Screaming Eagles. And uh, they're 3-0 and in, in their playoffs right now in the first round. Also up 3-0 in their first round series uh, in the uh, in the postseason are the London Knights uh, with the aforementioned Alex Formanton. Uh, seven points in the first three games. So uh, it's going about as expected. The first round of the CHL playoffs are typically a write-off. Yeah. So we'll we'll continue to monitor that situation. Um, the Belleville Senators hit a, they've hit a little bit of a a funk since their unbelievable streak. I think it was 19 out of 21. They had they had uh, they had won, but the Cleveland Monsters now seem to be the team nipping at their heels. Before everyone just thought it was the Utica Comets, but. They can't seem to win a game, whereas um, whereas Cleveland can't seem to lose. You nervous? 
Well, it's never a good situation when you're uh, worried about monsters coming around the corner. So that's definitely <laughs> tough. But I mean, we, yeah, like you said, Ross, we had kind of written them off, especially when you usually think it's a, it's kind of a plus and a minus situation when you take one of their best players in uh, Abramov away from the monsters and you add them to the Senators team. You really think that would really be a big boost, but I mean, Belleville, we, it, it's well-documented. They had to crawl their way out of the gutter just to get to this position, just to be in the in the talks of a playoff position. So the fact that they're still tied, holding down that fourth spot, mind you, the Monsters have a game in hand, is still really impressive. And I think the Senators have way more firepower. And down the stretch, they're, it might be close, but I have no doubt in my mind that this team's going to the playoffs. And as long as they make the playoffs... They've got a chance. And keep in mind, guys, that the Ottawa Senators season ends on April 6th. There's still three, maybe four games left in Belleville season. So Rudolph's Balsers and Christian Wolanin will be there for that last push to get over the hump. I think it's two games against the uh, Toronto Marlies uh, to finish off the season, at least one. Uh, at, the last at, one's the Americans, Rochester. Well, that's another divisional matchup. So uh, they do play Cleveland as well, we should mention, in Belleville and That's going to be an interesting game because you might remember that it was a physical confrontation they had in Cleveland where uh, Archibald had that enormous, enormous hit. And then at the end of the game, there was another questionable play. So a lot more than just a playoff spot on the line there. But uh, getting back to to the National Hockey League team, because I don't think Dorian got enough credit as a buyer (laughs) at the trade deadline, boys. Holy! Is Brian Gibbons the second coming of Marty St. Louis? Just a little buzzsaw <laughs> out there. Like I think, Parley, you've got the stats in front of you, but between between uh, Oscar Lindbergh, Brian Gibbons, and Anthony Duclair, like give oh, give Dorian Executive of the Year. I wonder how many high fives <laughs> he's getting now. And hugs. <laughs> Don't forget the hugs. From veterans, no less. Yeah. But let's talk about the numbers here. You mentioned them, Ross. Duclair, Gibbons, and Lindbergh. They have 26 combined points. Of course, like you said, the second coming of Marty St. Louis, having 10 points, Brian Gibbons, including a beauty play last night. And then the big three that have been shipped out of town, Stone, Duchesne, Dezingle, combined for 25, one less point. Ben Duclair, Gibbons, and Lindbergh, and Ross, before we started uh, recording, you made a pretty good point. Well, hey, let's not forget about Patrick Seeloff. And in his stat column here on my computer, I have non-applicable. He hasn't played in the NHL. So, um, see you later, buddy. Yeah, the, a long mistake finally came to an end when, when Pat Seeloff got shipped out of town. Yeah, just... I don't know. You you almost feel bad for the kid because no, it, it was it was one it was a big mistake that he made. But every single time, like when we watched him in Belleville, if he scored, we weren't even excited. It felt like dirty Gross, and yeah. shame, shamey when you saw him. And don't say one mistake. It's training camp. You're a young guy. You know who the veterans are, and you know the, <laughs> what Clark MacArthur's came back from. It's not like he was just drafted and it's his first first kick at the can. He was like a 22, 23 year old. You know better, but hey, we digress. He's out of the organization now. See ya. Um, Smell ya. <laughs> so the Sens have been pretty uh, talkative uh, recently, spurted by two media appearances by Eugene Melnick. I think they've been covered at nauseum. So, I mean, we just like talking about hockey. So we're going to kind of let 
let the the powers that may uh, continue to discuss and dissect the things that Eugene Melnick said. I will say he's not wrong about the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think we can all agree. <laughs> uh, and shout out Ian Mendez, one of the best in the business. He's been on this show, so we will say Absolutely. that about about uh, the interviews. But what's really interesting and what I want to dive into is what has come after, and that is that the rumors are the Sens are looking to hire a president of hockey operations. They're going to get more amateur scouts for their 17 picks in the first three rounds of the next three drafts. Are the Sens rebuilding? Although, I mean, two of those picks are conditional, so you don't even have them. But 15 is still a lot, so I will say that. Um, Guys, actions over words, anybody? Like, why don't you just wait and announce it when you announce it? Like, well, that and uh, it's about time because there's been a picture that we've joked about in uh, off air. And I'm pretty sure on air as well as that picture of the war room <laughs> for the senators that had three people in it, including Daniel Alfredson. And he's not even there anymore. So it was pretty slim up there. So it's about time. And you know what? If Pierre Dorian says he's a good scout, you know what? He's a good scout. You can't take that away from him. That's his background, but you can't do it yourself with, especially with this many picks. It's about time that they've made this move. It almost feels like they're playing catch up when they don't need to be. It's a league where they've been around since 96 and it seems to be, they just seem to be catching on now to, you need that big boardroom. And I don't get why it's taken this long. Yeah, that, that war room pitcher always gets me. Yeah, like you said, there's three guys, I think a broken laptop, maybe a, <laughs> a, a pencil, a couple erasers, just an absolute couple empties. Yeah. <laughs> just an absolute joke. And the the thing is, when you know the senators uh aren't going to spend any money, but they're going to spend close to the cap come 2021, but parallel success. In the, yeah, in in the period between then and there, you know they're not spending money. So use that money that you're not going to commit to players to put into your scouting staff. I mean, Ross, you talked about how many draft picks they have. The future of this franchise has never depended on scouting more in in its entire life more than right now. So these scouts need to hit on at least, I would say, half of these picks need to turn into something big from the first three rounds in the next couple of years. So scouting is of the utmost importance, and there's no reason not to spend the money there. That's what I don't understand is why you won't spend the money scouting, especially when the more the more players you scout and draft, if you're into saving money, if you can get your best players as prospects who are on entry-level deals, that's the way to go. We've been told, uh, Bruce Garriott reported, that all the uh, the scouts they had have been given three-year contract extensions, uh, so it's good that they have some stability. Yep. But I'm I'm at action speak louder than words. Our old teacher we used to talk about all the time when we recorded at the College of Sports Media, Roger Lejoie, used to have this great saying. He said, don't text your wife that you're coming home. Just come home. Right? So now they're placing this expectation on themselves. Oh, who are they going to hire? Who are they going to hire? And it's cute because it changes the narrative from these not good interviews that the owner's done. But, like, it, unless there's anything tangible, like, who cares? Yeah. You can say whatever you want. So, I mean, not much more left to say exactly until something's done. But I'll throw it out to you. Who would you want to see in a perfect world 
take over that president of hockey operations job in Ottawa, Chris? You got me beat there. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the name that jumps into my head is Steve Eiserman, but I don't think he wants it. <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's pretty safe to say he's he's getting ready for that job in Detroit. Yeah, either Detroit or I mean, Seattle's an option. So they 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 should want to hire this guy before Seattle has a chance to to kind of get pick of the litter because who doesn't want the opportunity to build a team from scratch? Especially That's, when you see what Vegas <laughs> got to do. Yeah. So well, then why would you not hold on and do it in Seattle? Well, yeah, that's You're what, the best candidate for the job. True. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting uh, to see, to see how this plays out. A few names just to bring up who have been rumored. Um, John Shannon, our old teacher reported that uh, Dean Lombardi was the first guy to yeah. be uh, approached. He was of course in LA for their two cups, but he's an advisor now in Philadelphia it uh, seems like he's happy in that role. Same goes for Don Maloney, the former GM in um, in Arizona, or then Phoenix. And he apparently has no interest. I don't know why he'd want to leave Calgary either. Seems like a good shot at a Stanley Cup. But what was really yep. interesting from Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts is that it sounds like the NHL is involved in this hiring process. What does that speak to the viability of Mr. Melnick? Well... It's another, it's almost the point where th- we've brought it up multiple times. If it's not over Twitter, it's on this show. And it's at what point do they step in and try and defend the integrity of their product? Like enough's enough? Yeah. What Eugene Melnick's done over this past while is just hurt not only the team's sales, but the NHL as a whole, because the team belongs to the NHL. So at this point, they have to step in and, somewhat right the ship because it hasn't been righted by itself and it, it seems pretty bad to say and but it's about time because there's a lot of things that's happened and this almost seems like it should have happened sooner yeah completely agree uh we want to end off with a couple stories chris kelly stick taps not only for being a tremendous assistant coach since he's taken over um with the coaching change on march 1st but He's also a part of, partly I haven't told you this yet, the Binghamton Hockey Hall of Fame will induct Chris Kelly, among with former uh, Binghamton Senators captain uh, Ryan Keller. He was the captain of the um, the team that won the Calder Cup in 2011, and also Grady Wittenberger, who was the play-by-play voice. But I, I go back, and why I brought it up was, Chris Kelly's final year in in Binghamton was the lockout year. I mean, this team was outrageous. So Kelly had 60 points in 77 games, plus 30. Like, that's all right. Jason Spezza had already played a full year in the NHL at 117 points in 80 games. Other names on that team had, like, Antoine Vermette was there. Anton Volchenkov was there. Chris Neal, 132 pims. Not a big deal. Uh, I'm still trying to find... Well, Ray Emery had 50 penalty minutes. <laughs> Good. And Brian McGratton had 551 penalty minutes. <laughs> what an unbelievable year. Um, Bigger. And, I mean, Brian McGratton played a lot in Ottawa, but he also played a lot as a visitor and um, kind of switching gears to a, to a more serious note, but a really, really classy gesture that the Ottawa Senators did uh, for Mike Foley, 
who was the locker room attendant. And I'm going to read you the uh, the caption that they have on this plaque. Uh, we've retweeted it on Twitter, at Sens Central. The, uh, the Sens official account initially posted it. But it says, the visiting NHL dressing rooms are dedicated in the memory of Mike Foley for his 26 years of service as an Ottawa Senators assistant equipment manager and as an equipment assistant to all NHL visiting teams from 1992 to 2018. Our dear friend Mike would like you to all take the time to smile and say hello to everyone you see here today just as he would do every day. We miss you, Mike. And Mike was far too young, um, worked for the team since day one. So very classy gesture. A lot of former players, current players, uh, Nick Felino being one of them, uh, took to Twitter and and uh, expressed their gratitude to, to everything that uh, he brought. So uh, I don't know if you guys have anything to add to that, but I just wanted to make that, uh, that note known here before we wrap up. It's... A situation where so much has gone wrong, they better make this right. And I think that's what they did there because it's the guys like Mike Foley or, or yeah, Mike Foley that will just that keep the NHL running. And uh, not a bad word was said about him, rightfully so, after he unfortunately passed. And when you're an organization as big as the Ottawa Senators are, you better do things right when it comes to situations and individuals like Foley was for the team. And uh, every single person that talked to him or had anything to do with him said that he was a great guy and uh, obviously gone too soon. And uh, hopefully this put a smile on his family's face. Yeah, and his uh, his daughter also took to quit Twitter expressing that she was uh, very happy to see that. But that's uh, about it, I think. Anything else to add, boys? That was a great episode. Awesome hearing from Joey. Yeah, it's always great talking to uh, another attendee, and he's always got a lot of good things to say. And make sure you're watching uh, the Sun Devils forks up, and we'll be cheering along the way. Yeah, so that's March 30th. I know in the States it's all on ESPNU. I believe that TSN is is picking it up, but um, if only we had a way to figure it out. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk to some people. <laughs> we'll, we'll work something out. As we're here sitting in the TSN studios. Uh, Chris, anything else? That's it, boys. All right, well, we'll touch base here as the season wraps up. The Senators' next few games, they've got a three-game homestand to Florida, then Toronto, who they just dummy all year. There, you got a 2 and one record. Not yeah, a you, big deal. You can uh, scratch up a W right there right away. And of yeah, course, you want to call it a battle of Ontario? <laughs> well, there won't, there won't be uh, any scared thoughts in Toronto. No media will take any weight in a loss to Ottawa. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> when you're playing against a team that forgot about defense when doing a rebuild, you're not too worried. You're going to put six up against them easily. <laughs> and then the Tampa Bay Lightning will be in town, a much better team because they actually have defense. That's all for us. I'm Ross Levitan, Brandon Piller, Chris Parliament. Thanks again to Joey DeCord for joining us on the program. Go Sens, go Belleville. They've got, what, a handful of games left. The playoff push continues. Get to Belleville, see a game. They need your support, and go Sens, go.